Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This episode is called A Solitary Murder. It's written by Stuff's Dunedin correspondent, Hamish McNeely, who joins me now by phone. Hello, Hamish. Hey, Mike. How are you? So, a solitary murder. Please elaborate. What is this murder? Uh, well, the clues in the title, I guess, you've touched on that. Um, it's about a murder that unfolded on Rakiura, in Stewart Island, uh, almost 100 years ago, and uh, believed to be uh, one of the only murders on the island. Yeah, so the story is set in 1927. Uh, how did you first come across it? Uh, funnily enough, another reporter, uh, who I won't name, rang me up for some ideas. I pitched the idea of unusual crimes in unusual places. And then I uh, had a look at um, Stewart Island, for an example, and was just trying to work out whether there'd ever been a murder there. And I was looking in papers past and came across this tale, and it just absolutely intrigued me. So, uh, sorry, just to cut a long story short, I, 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 I took over the story rather than pass it on to my colleague. Stewart Island, I think most, if not all, of our listeners uh, will be familiar with its existence, but maybe not much more than that. So just set the scene for us. What kind of place is it? Well, it's a beautiful place. It's, um, it's like nothing else in New Zealand, you, you'll go there and you're instantly struck by the uh, by the bird life. It's not unusual to see weka walking around. There's the, their own variety of uh, kiwi. You can see them on the walking tracks. Uh, they'll come out in daylight as well. It's just just an amazing um, amazing place. I think there's about 400 people uh, live on the island. There's some beautiful homes. Um, it's got a lot of heritage. It's it's got that fascinating mixture of. Uh, the Maori population with early whalers. So many of the names on the island are names that probably existed, you know, 100, 150 years ago. Um, it's just a, just an exciting place to be. It's, it's just a, a real glimpse of probably New Zealand as it was. Thanks, Hamish. Now here is Dominic Harris reading Hamish's story, A Solitary Murder. The old fisherman was a familiar sight hauling in nets. He had called Stewart Island home for five decades since being shipwrecked there. He was a small, mild-mannered man who lived alone. But that tranquility was shattered when 82-year-old Andre Jose was bludgeoned to death in his boarding house room in the early hours of December the 14th, 1927. His killing is believed to be Stewart Island's only murder. His landlady, Catherine Walschläger, heard Jose fight for his life. Help! Help! Me die! came the cries from his room, along with sounds of a scuffle. She ran to the door. It was locked. Jose had only rented it a few days earlier. Arthur has robbed me of all my money, she heard him say. I'll die! I'll die! Walschläger told Jose she would go next door for help. Her screams of murder roused her neighbour, John Edwards, into action. The pair returned and found the door still locked. Whoever was inside the room had barricaded themselves in. Eventually, Lulschlager and Edwards were let in by a man wearing pyjamas 
and a blood-spattered oilskin coat. Do you see any blood on me? he asked them. The room was a mess and there was no sign of Jose. They told the man to leave. Walschläger lit a candle for Jose and left it at the door in case Jose was able to leave his room later that night. By morning, the candle was gone. Stewart Island is visible from Bluff Hill. It's there that Andre Jose was buried in an unmarked grave on Sunday, December the 18th, 1927. His name, like many official documents obtained by Stuff, is recorded as Andrew. Jose often told Stewart Island locals that he was a Malayman and had arrived in New Zealand on the vessel England's Glory, which was shipwrecked off Bluff in 1881. Jose and another crew member were taken in by Barney Buller of Stewart Island. They lived at the Neck, a narrow peninsula that separates Patterson Inlet from Fovo Strait. Jose worked as a fisherman and ship's cook. In her book, The Stewart Islanders, Olga Sansom writes that Jose once spent three nights marooned on rocks, which were covered at high tide, after the boat he was working on sank. Jose survived on limpets and, barely alive, was rescued by the skipper of a passing boat. After a remarkable recovery, he invited his nurse and rescuer for Kai at his house. No limpets, though, he reportedly told the nurse. Eventually, New Zealand became home. One naturalisation document from 1900 noted Jose was born in the Philippines. On one page, an official scribbled a note by hand. Is he to be described as of Spanish nationality? Another document, pledging an oath of allegiance, includes Jose's signature, a single X. Jose, who had no children, lived in the Flying Scud, a 20-ton cutter beached at Papatiki Bay on the neck. His home extended onto the beach, where he kept hens and ducks and a vegetable garden. According to the Stewart Islanders, a seaweed fertiliser helped his cabbages and rhubarb thrive. At the time of his death, he was working on a new home. That was why he was staying at Walschläger's boarding house. The whole island was utterly saddened, the Stewart Islanders mourned, when Andrew Jose, the mildest of men and utterly friendly to everyone, met his death by violence at the hands of his murderer in Horseshoe Bay. Hi, I'm Carol Hirschfeld, the head of video and audio at Stuff. If you're enjoying our Long Reads podcast, how about contributing to the Stuff Supporter Program? You can contribute any amount you choose, and you can do it just once, or monthly, or annually. Direct support from people like you helps us produce the kind of journalism you're listening to right now. Go to stuff.co.nz forward slash support. Shocking crime. Old man done to death, read the headline in the press newspaper. The motive for killing Andre Jose wasn't immediately clear, but the likely culprit was. 
Arthur Victor Valentine, an accountant with the Bluff Harbour Board, who had been staying in another room at the boarding house. He was the pyjama-clad man Walschläger and Edwards found in Jose's room and ordered out. Walschläger asked Valentine what he had done. I am in great pain, he replied. My back, my back! The savagery of the crime was only uncovered the next morning. Constable Arthur Woodley was one of the first to enter Jose's room and was confronted with the same mess Walschläger and Edwards found the night before. The small bed was broken and the mattress and sheets lay in a heap. Woodley peeled back the mattress to find Jose lying in a pool of blood. Quite dead, as he later told an inquest. Woodley sought out Valentine. The lodger, a World War I veteran, injured and found unfit for service, appeared nervous and excitable. The Germans came up early this morning, he said. I heard Andrew call out, help, help. I went upstairs and he turned on me. I had a sort of delusion, Valentine told another officer. Andrew hit at me with a board. I hit him with something. Woodley asked him why Jose would turn on him. Valentine did not reply. As the policeman detained Valentine, he noted a small, blood-stained manuka log, the charred remains of wood and a pillow by the door, and kerosene in the room. Valentine was transported by tugboat to Bluff, where a large crowd had gathered. He was taken to jail and, according to one newspaper, served a meal. He sat down and ate it quite calmly and with apparent indifference. Jose died in a frenzied attack. His autopsy revealed injuries including a broken jaw, a dozen blows to his head and abrasions to his arms. The likely cause of death was shock and blood loss. Motive was a mystery, but after Valentine appeared in the Invercargill District Court on December the 22nd, in a distressed condition, panting for breath, according to the Evening Star, answers started to emerge. On December the 1st, three weeks before the murder, Valentine had been found inside the office of the Bluff Harbour Board, unconscious with a wound to his head. A weight taken from the nearby drafting office, the apparent assault weapon, was found near his feet. Some £240, wages earmarked for dredge employees, were missing. Valentine went to Stewart Island to recuperate from the attack. He was well known on the island, visiting weekly aboard the SS Teresa Ward, where he worked as a purser. There he met Jose. The two men had history. Valentine looked after Jose's financial affairs and had gone to the island with the stated intention of buying property from the fishermen. A later inquest held on Stewart Island 
heard that Jose had acquired £350 from the sale of a property in Bluff. He had engaged Valentine to invest £200 in Bluff Harbour Board debentures and loaned Valentine the remaining 150 It further heard that Valentine was not holding any Bluff Harbour Board debentures for Jose. In fact, he had disposed of them more than a year earlier. The loan, made to Valentine on behalf of his brother, was set to mature in 1928. Jose became worried about his money, particularly after hearing about Valentine and the robbery. Friends advised him to go to Bluff. He was about to depart when Valentine arrived on the island. Catherine Volschläger told the inquest Jose and Valentine arrived at her house on December the 10th. Valentine asked her to put them up, telling her that Jose would pay the board. On December the 13th, the men played cards together and went to bed at midnight. Valentine was in a room at the front of the house and Jose in a room upstairs. The inquest jury found that Jose met his death at about 4am on December the 14th through shock and loss of blood by injuries received by the hand of Arthur Victor Valentine. Valentine never knew of the verdict. On December the 23rd, the day after his sickly court appearance, while in the exercise yard at the Invercargill Borstal Institute, he collapsed and died. He was 43 years old. The attending doctor believed Valentine died of a heart attack due to the pressure of the impending trial. An examination of his body revealed enlarged kidneys and heart. While realising the seriousness of the circumstances, he was quiet enough, one report into the death read, and to all intents showed no trace of insanity. Valentine's body was interred less than two weeks after that of the man he murdered. He was laid to rest in Invercargill's Eastern Cemetery on Boxing Day, 1927. His grave is marked with his name. That was A Solitary Murder on the Long Read from Stuff, written by Hamish McNeely, read by Dominic Harris and produced by me, Michael Wright. This episode was mixed by Sam Scannell. Stuff's podcast director is Adam Dudding. If you listened via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening.